Great. Yeah, great to see you all. And uh, welcome to everyone that's here in person and everyone that's live online. So I think we might be just a minute early at the moment. Yep. So what have we been up to? Well, my son Corbin was 16 yesterday. And yeah, 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 16 year old son. That makes me feel old, um, especially with this do that I've got going on. Don't know quite what to do with it now. It's got to that stage where it's beyond awkward. It's just like double awkward. Um, but I'm going to just hold out, I think. I'm going to go another month and then I'm going to get my hair cut. And uh, we'll just see what happens. <laughs> it just gets wider and wider the whole time. Um, but hey, we're all, I was going to say we're all in the same boat, but I literally can't see anyone with hair as bad as mine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're not all in the same boat, aren't we, Tony? <laughs> Tony's. <laughs> yeah. There we are. <laughs> Nacho, yeah, right. Okay, name and shame. <laughs> name and joy. Yeah. So I was once in a meeting, actually, years ago, years ago, and Ray Bevan was preaching. Um, everyone know Ray Bevan from South Wales? And <laughs> we had all the lights, lights on the stage. As we, it was a conference that we were running. And uh, he suddenly stopped preaching halfway through his like, really serious message. He's, he's like... I just can't go on anymore. He said, the guy over there with the bald head, the light's bouncing off your head, into my eyes, you've got to move. <laughs> he was joking. Um, but it kind of, uh, you know, broke it up a little bit. So there's, there's no light shining in my eyes tonight. In fact, we forgot to put those lights on, uh, which helps with the recording. But uh, that's fine. So I think you're probably all, all here online now. Hello, everyone. If you're joining us online, good to see you. Uh, Mandy, can you tell me the bars going up and down, the green bars on the right hand, on the left hand side? That means there's sound. Okay, that's good. So hopefully we've got no issues technically tonight. Um, we are on part three of the Believer's Toolbox, which is where we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Nice to have you so close to me here, Nacho, tonight. Um, and uh, so, so we've covered two weeks so far. The first week we talked about the toolbox. The second week we talked about, gave an overview of the tools. And tonight, week three, we're going to talk about the first three of the tools, um, which are referred to in, by many as the revelation gifts. So we're going to pray and then we're going to launch into teaching the word of God. So Father, we are so grateful for this opportunity to be together. Lord, we think of those that simply can't um, be out of their homes at the moment. Many who can't be out of their homes. Um, Father, we just pray that you would continue to work behind the scenes as we know that you are. We thank you that you are. We thank you that uh, you are going to be glorified through these challenging times. Lord, thank you that you're not the author of them. Um, but thank you, Lord, that everything that we have that is good in our lives, that is light, that is perfect, comes from the Father of lights. And we just acknowledge that, Lord. We acknowledge where good comes from, we acknowledge where evil comes from, and we acknowledge that you are the God who conquers evil. You conquered it on the cross. And thank you, Lord, that we live in the outworking of the victory that was, conquered, that was claimed on the cross. So we are so grateful to you, Jesus. And we just commit this evening to you. Thank you, Lord, that you'd speak through me as I teach on these gifts. Amen. Great. So we're going to talk about three of the spiritual tools that God's given us. 
Um, and uh, thank you to Pastor Andy last week who introduced the subject of, of the tools. Um, so the tools, the spiritual tools that we have are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the three that we're going to talk about tonight are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Now these are commonly referred to, as I said just now, as the revelation gifts because they each reveal something. It's quite clever, isn't it? They're revelation gifts because they reveal something. So let's just read about them in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 11. Thank you, Yan. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. Let me just stop there a minute. So we see there's three different types of things mentioned there. Gifts, ministries and activities. And God has called every one of us as his people, his children, part of his church, to be involved with all of those things. He's given us access to his gifts. He has given us ministries. We are all called to the work of the ministry. And um, we are all called to be involved with, uh, with what God is doing on this earth. And he's doing everything that he's doing through the local church. And so I just encourage you, as we relaunch or regather and rebuild in the coming weeks and months, let's just throw ourselves in to everything that, that we're doing as a church. Um, I mean, I'm kind of preaching to the converted, both those who are sitting here and those who are watching him on online, because you're the ones that just want to be here right now anyway, aren't you? So... Um, but just let me, maybe this message will go out to someone that doesn't normally watch it tonight who's thinking, oh, I, I don't know what's going on. Well, what's going on is God wants to prepare your heart to, uh, to be ready to serve like never before his kingdom as we, as we regather and as we rebuild. So anyway, that was verse 6. Verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit. Think about that phrase. A manifestation of the Spirit. Now, if I was um, hiding under the stage here tonight and suddenly I jumped out, that would be the manifestation of Stuart. Um, in, I guess in a fairly crude example, but, um, but the manifestation of the Spirit, I mean, that's what it is. It's the revealing of the Holy Spirit through our lives, okay? So the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Are you each one tonight? Yes, you are. You're each one. And, uh, and, and why does God want to give us these gifts, these spiritual tools? For the profit of some? No. For the profit of all. Okay, good. So that, I think, includes not just Christians, not just believers, but also non-believers as well. Not that the non-believers have got the gifts, but the gifts that we have are to minister both to the believers and the non-believers. And there's plenty of examples in Jesus' life as, of how uh, the the Spirit was manifest through Jesus for the, for the prophet of all. Verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge. Through the same Spirit. We're also going to talk about that. And to another... Oh, I've lost my place. Uh, there we are. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, workings of miracles by the same Spirit. It doesn't say, I just added that in. To another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. To another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. 
but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So, as we've already spoken about, the gifts of the Spirit, the spiritual tools that we've been given, are the manifestation of God's Spirit. So, remember, God's Spirit is the Spirit of grace. Um, that, that same spirit that saved us when Jesus died on the cross and we put our faith in Jesus, the moment we put our faith in Jesus was the moment that the Holy Spirit, the spirit of grace began to work in our lives. He brought the grace of God to our lives. And, um, and God wants that same grace to be manifested to the world around us. We are carriers of the spirit of grace, the grace of God, and God wants us to take his grace to the world around us. Um, the gifts of the spirit are, 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 are a revealing or demonstration of God's grace that saved us, and God wants to bring that to the world. So, um, I love the thought that, you know, Jesus taught his disciples to pray and he said, when you pray, pray our Father in heaven. Um, and one of the things Jesus said is, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. And actually, when we use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, God's kingdom is coming. Um, his kingdom that we carry um, is revealed to the world around us. His light shines in the darkness. In the gospel... We see that Jesus used the gifts of the Holy Spirit all the time. Jesus brought God's kingdom to those who received miracles. That's one of the gifts. To those who received healing. That's another one of the gifts. Deliverance. Um, words of wisdom. Words of knowledge. And so on. God's kingdom came every time Jesus um, did those things. And we also see that the gifts of the Spirit were in constant use after Jesus in the book of Acts. Right through the book of Acts, the disciples um, moved, they used the gifts of the Spirit. God wants believers today, 2,000 years later, to use these spiritual tools to bring the light of his kingdom to the darkness of this world. So as we look at each one of these three revelation gifts, these gifts that reveal something, um, we're going to give an example from Jesus' life, from the disciples' life in the book of Acts, and uh, then a modern day example as well. Okay, so here we go. Uh, so each one of these revelation gifts reveals something. The word of wisdom. Now this spiritual tool, the word of wisdom, um, reveals, guess what? It reveals a word of wisdom from God by the Holy Spirit. This gift isn't called the gift of wisdom it's called a word of wisdom so it's not general wisdom that we have from our relationship with God we all have access to the wisdom of God um, God is all wise and God desires to share his wisdom with every one of us so that we can walk through life with his wisdom but actually this word of wisdom is a specific word of wisdom or a specific instruction that God gives to his people, this gift. So imagine if God's, God's wisdom is like a trillion books in a library. The word of wisdom is like, um, like one word taken from one of those books in God's library of wisdom. It's a fragment of God's infinite wisdom that the Holy Spirit imparts to a believer. And it's supernatural. 
Supernatural simply means beyond natural. So it's supernatural in that it would be impossible for that person who's receiving that word of wisdom in his natural state to have that wisdom or to do the things that that wisdom leads him to do. So it's a specific, it's a specific instruction from the Lord to the believer that requires obedience. And that's, it, obedience always goes along with the word of wisdom as well. Because uh, there's no point in having a word of wisdom from God, a specific instruction from God, if you're not going to do what that word says. So it always requires obedience as well. And, and because it always requires our obedience, then I guarantee you that when God gives you a word of wisdom, um, then he'll always confirm what that wisdom is asking you to do. It will always be confirmed as well. Right, so let's look at this. Jesus examples, a couple of examples here from Matthew 17, verse 25 to 27. I decided not to write my scriptures out tonight, but turn to them. Matthew 17, 25 to 27 says, Oh, yeah, so, um, so this is when people are saying to Jesus, um, you know, does, or people are saying to the disciples, does, does your teacher. Um, pay his taxes and uh, and so they come to Jesus and anyway Jesus says yes um, when he had come into the house Jesus anticipated um, sorry let me just read from verse 24 it makes it much more sense much more sense when they come to Capernaum those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said does your teacher not pay the temple tax and Peter said yes not sure what that means. Yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? And Peter said to him, From strangers. Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. What a brilliant way to find the money for your taxes. <laughs> um, so, of course, there's this coin in the mouth of this fish so that they can pay their taxes. And So this was a specific instruction that Jesus received by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, that he shared with Peter. And it was Peter then who had to be obedient to that word of wisdom. It required Peter's obedience. And the result was that they then paid their taxes. So that was one little example of a word of wisdom that Jesus brought. Another example of a word of wisdom that Jesus brought is just a couple of chapters later in Matthew 21, uh, verses 1 to 3. And this is, the, this is the borrowing of the donkey for the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So, verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. We were just talking about those new scooters in Portsmouth earlier. And uh, I guarantee you that if you take one of those scooters and have a little ride on it and don't return it, and when they come after you and say, why aren't you returning our scooter and you say the Lord has need of it they will still fine you heavily for taking their scooter um, 
but obviously this was a specific incident that God was working in where Jesus received an instruction by the Holy Spirit that he shared with two of his disciples. And the word of wisdom required obedience by these two disciples to go and get that donkey and say what they had to say once Jesus had shared it with them. Now here's a book of Acts example of a a word of wisdom. Acts chapter 10, verses 17 to 20. Everyone okay here? Everyone okay there? Good. It says this in Acts 10, 17 to 20. This is when Peter had a vision of the unclean animals and um, was instructed to go and kill and eat. Uh, And God said to Peter, what God has cleansed, don't you call it common. Uh, And this was when Peter was um, challenged to take the gospel to the Gentiles. So it says in verse 17 of Acts chapter 10. Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made an inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And then they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. This was a word of wisdom that Peter received. And Peter's um, instruction was, there's going to be some people at the door. Don't worry about it. Go with them because I'm involved with this. Peter could not have known that. In the natural, that would have been impossible to know. But God spoke to Peter through this word of wisdom. Um, and, And Peter then simply had to obey what God has asked him to do. Then Acts 16 verses 9 to 10 is another example of a word of wisdom in the book of Acts. And, it's, and this is the, uh, the Macedonian call. And, um, and so Paul is just get going about his business, preaching the gospel um, in, in, in the region of Greece and um, Turkey. And, and then in verse 9, it says this, A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. I mean, isn't that wonderful? That that God spoke to Paul at that point. Um, He'd obviously seen the need. He'd seen the desire of people to hear the good news of Jesus. And, And God spoke to Paul, gave him this word of wisdom that said, go to Macedonia. And immediately Paul stopped what he was doing and went to Macedonia um, to preach the gospel to the Macedonian people. Now, personal examples. When I was preparing to teach tonight, I was thinking, well, I haven't really used the word of wisdom very much. I was thinking, I, I, I know that I have access to God's general wisdom and I hope that I often um, refer to scripture to gain that wisdom. Um, I listen to people. You're in the multitude of counsellors. There is wisdom. Um, and, um, and I'm learning to just slow down a bit and not rush into things or sometimes not open my mouth and get myself into trouble before I consider what God's wisdom might be. I'm still learning that. Um, but 
Um, I was thinking the word of wisdom, specific instructions that I've received um, or been on the receiving end of that I've then known that I have to obey this instruction. I was thinking I haven't really um, sort of experienced that much. But then I was thinking of some of the pastoral or the counselling situations that Carla and I have been involved with. And I remembered one incident where um, Carla actually said to the, the gent, she said, you need to get, make yourself accountable. You need to, uh, it's really important, I sense it really strongly, strongly on my heart that you make yourself accountable, uh, that you have someone that um, is asking you, how are you doing? Because um, we're, we're, well, she said, I'm concerned that you're going to uh, mess up in your marriage. And, um, and that was, um, like we sort of we were praying at the time we sort of finished and, and, and you know the guy said yeah yeah I'll get someone I'll be, account- I'll be more accountable uh, and we hadn't really spoken about anything that had made us concerned in that area it's just something that Carla really felt strongly on her heart anyway the long and the short of it is that um, just a short time later unfortunately uh, this chap had um, had an affair and um, and obviously there hadn't been a, a pursuing of that word of wisdom uh, and obedience to it. Um, don't try and work out who that is, by the way, because it could be hundreds of people, honestly, literally hundreds of people that we speak to. So not hundreds of people have affairs, but we speak to hundreds of people. Right, gotcha. Okay, so um, situations. Also, we've found ourselves in many situations where we just don't have a clue what to say. Um, some really, like, times where you're thinking God you've got to help us here because we do not know what to say and just you know a a verse will come into our hearts that we just know is God wants to speak through that that verse he'll often use scripture and and it's good to to use scripture because when you use scripture you are sharing the written word of God and um, you know and, and Remember the difference between Logos and Rhema. And Rhema is when, when it's like spirit spoken. And you know when it's spirit spoken uh, words that you're sharing. Um, yeah, so there's been many times where we've sent the, sensed the prompting of God to share a specific word of wisdom leading to the person or the couple sometimes acting on the wisdom and seeing God move in their situation. Um, and there's one time that I was thinking of earlier that I just um, am so thankful for other people, other believers in my life that share um, wisdom, God's wisdom with us. And, and this was a word of wisdom <clears throat> from, uh, from Wayne, Wayne and Nikki keeping. And uh, Wayne just, it was on Wayne's heart and, and it was so strong on his heart. He, he kept saying to us in 2001, he kept saying, you've got to buy a house now. You, we were just married for a year. And he said, you've got to, got to buy your first house. You've got to get on the housing market. It was like a really sh- strong feeling in his heart that we had to do that. And so we did. In fact, um, we benefited. We were so blessed from the fact that back in those days, you could get 100% mortgages. And, um, and so we did that. And, uh, and we got on the housing market. And to cut a long story short, we lived in that house two and a half years. And we made 50 grand on the house. And I mean, that just doesn't happen. And we wouldn't, we would not have moved forward with, with buying that house um, if it hadn't been for Wayne saying, now's the time you've got to do this. So I'm grateful for the wisdom that people share with us. So let's look at the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge. 
This spiritual tool reveals a word of knowledge that comes from God, that comes from the Holy Spirit. So it's a knowing. It's when you know something about someone or a situation that you couldn't know in the natural. It's So like the word of wisdom, it's a specific word, not something general. It's, it's supernatural in that you could only know it by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that you had prior knowledge of. Um, you know, I think there's, um, there's, again, there's wisdom and there's advice, there's counsel and there's, that's all really good. But this is when the Holy Spirit is literally just giving you a word of knowledge, a specific word for someone and or for yourself. The purpose of receiving and sharing a word of knowledge is to bring about the purpose of God, is to draw people closer to Jesus. That's the purpose of bringing a word of knowledge. So let's look at a couple of examples of this. First of all, we're going to look at Jesus. Good to look at Jesus. And in John chapter 4, verses 16 to 19, it says this. Oh, this is the story of the Samaritan woman, okay? And she comes to the well, she meets Jesus, Jesus offers her living water. And let's just pick up the story in verse 16. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you've said well, I have no husband for you have you have five husbands and the one that you have now is not your husband in that you spoke truly and the woman said to him sir I perceive that you're a prophet and the, the conversation carried on and um, and she went back to her town I'll talk about that in a minute but Jesus um, Jesus shared this word of knowledge he could not have known this about the Samaritan woman it was a specific fact that he shared with her he couldn't have known it except by revelation of the Holy Spirit. And the result of Jesus sharing those words with her, well, again, we, we pick up the story in verse 39 of that same chapter, chapter 4. It says, Many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So, when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days, and many more believed because of his own word. Isn't that awesome? That um, the result of Jesus sharing this word of knowledge wasn't, didn't just uh, touch her life and cause her to step into God's purpose and draw close to, to God. Um, through Jesus, but it actually affected the whole town where she lived. She went back and told them that Jesus told me everything about myself. How could he have known this? And he had the opportunity to preach the kingdom in that town as well, and many came to Jesus as a result of it. And then, of course, there's a, another word of wisdom that Jesus had in John chapter 13. John chapter 13 and verse 21. And this is at the Last Supper. This is where Jesus identifies Judas as his betrayer. And it says in verses 21 and 22 of John 13, When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. And then just skip over to verse 26. Jesus answered, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after 
After the piece of bread, Satan entered Judas. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he had said this to him. And so it just shows that there was no prior knowledge of this. That The other disciples were, were, were just baffled as to why this was even going on right now. But Jesus had had this word of knowledge and he knew that Judas uh, was the one who would betray him. And of course, Judas did that. And I was thinking, well, how can that, how can that word of knowledge, if, if a word of knowledge always leads to God's purpose being done and people being drawn to Jesus, I thought, how can that? Like, certainly in Judas's life, that didn't seem to, to outwork God's purpose. But of course, the bigger picture is that um, when Judas betrayed Jesus, um, Jesus was then arrested and Jesus was crucified and he was lifted up on the cross. And, and of course, Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, then I'll draw all men unto myself. And of course, the purpose of God was outworked through that word of knowledge that Jesus shared. And many came to Jesus as a result of it. Now, there's an example in the book of Acts of a word of knowledge. And this, this story always fascinates me. It's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And when they brought their gift to the apostles, they lied about what they were bringing. And, well, we'll find out what happens in Acts chapter 5, shall we? If, uh, if you're not familiar with this story, then you're in for a shock. Um, if you are, then you know what's coming. So, verse 1 of chapter 5 of Acts. Said that all backwards then. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession. You know what possession it was. And he kept back part of that part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now that in itself isn't a bad thing. But the issue was that he was saying. Um, the message was that he was giving everything, but actually he was keeping some back. So Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. Let's just read on. I haven't given you these scriptures, Jan. Then the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in. What a shock. Not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, Yes, for so much. And then Peter said to her, how is it that you've agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and all those who heard these things. So Peter had this word of knowledge concerning uh, the gift that Ananias and Sapphira were bringing. They'd said they were bringing everything, but Peter had been told by God that they were holding back some of what they were bringing. The result was that Ananias and Sapphira both fell down dead. And um, 
And again, I thought, well, <laughs> how's the purpose of God being outworked here? But then we read on and we see great fear in verse 11 there. Great fear came upon all the church and upon those who had heard these things in verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So what actually happened was it opened a door for God to move. People began to fear God. People began to be reverent towards God, recognise his power and his holiness. And God was then able to move through the apostles like he hadn't yet moved. So, So the word of knowledge... When you bring a a word of knowledge, it's a specific word. It's something that you couldn't possibly know in the natural. And it causes the purposes of God to be outworked. Um, Personal examples of this. Well, um, a few actually. One of of my um, examples... I've I've written a few things down. I'll just start at the top of my list. Well... So one of the best examples um, is when we've had, we've had many prayer meetings where people will share a specific word of knowledge and someone there, no one has a clue why they've even shared it, it seems so out of context, but someone there will be like, yeah, that's me, that is me, God's talking to me right now through that word. Um, on occasions I've, I've felt prompted to challenge an individual about um, their character uh, or God's shown me a, a specific sin issue that I couldn't have known about in that person's life. I'm not saying I can like see right through you all or anything but sometimes that's how God works because he wants to bring people onto a better path doesn't he? He doesn't want to leave us in our um, in going down the wrong path. He wants to bring us to a better path and um, and sharing it with them has, has caused them to repent and, and come back to God and, and, and find freedom in their life as well. You know, the word of knowledge can be used as the tool of evangelism. I, I had this chap one time talking about an incident where he was walking through a shopping mall and he saw a lady standing there. And, um, and he just immediately, when he saw the lady, he saw a bruised peach. And he just knew that he had to tell her that, um, that she was like a bruised peach. And so he went up to her and he said, I just was walking past and I believe that Jesus just told me that you're like a bruised peach. You look great on the outside, but um, on the inside you're, you're bruised, you're hurting. And she just burst out crying and he just had the opportunity to lead her to Jesus in that moment. Isn't that awesome? So um, Pastor Andy often uses this spiritual tool, the word of knowledge. Um, he'll be speaking and just suddenly stop and it's like, there's someone here and they've got such and such an ailment. Um, they need healing in such and such an area and he'll pray for them. And afterwards, we've had, so many times we've had people just come forward and say, yeah, that was me and, and, and I'm free now. Um, Andy was talking on, uh, Pastor Andy was talking at Talking Church on Tuesday um, about when he was preaching at the ramp a few years ago and he felt prompted to just say to the crowd that um, someone that day had woken up and they'd said to God they needed $20 and he, he said God's heard you and come to me afterwards and I'll give you that $20. And this lady came to him afterwards. I'm surprised there wasn't a queue of people. Um, but this lady came to him afterwards and said, that was me. Uh, and, and she told the story behind it. And the story simply was that she was in a really difficult situation, um, had a big bill to pay. Uh, and then that very morning, her son had come to her and said, Mum, I need $20 to pay for my football um, coaching 
and and she had twenty dollars left, and she gave that to him. Uh, no, I think she 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 needed twenty dollars to pay for that, and that's where, where that twenty dollars came into it. And it just showed her that God was looking after her. Um, and uh, one one example from me, um, I think this is probably a word of knowledge. Uh, was this is a this is a bad example, by the way. Um, and it doesn't really tie into God's purposes, but I'll just share it anyway because this is how God wants it to be. <laughs> yeah, like you're like, what, why is he even talking right now? Um, but I was driving home one day and going slightly over the speed limit, and um, I felt God say to me. Uh, in fact, I knew the Holy Spirit in my heart just said to me, "Slow down, or you're going to hit a dog." And um, I was like, "Oh, that's weird." And I didn't really slow down. I was like, "I just want to get home." And guess what? I hit a dog. Um, I had slowed down slightly, and I guess I might have killed the dog if I hadn't. Um, or I might have completely missed it if I'd gone faster, maybe. But anyway, um, the fact is that I did hit this dog, and I just, I just knew like that was it was when I was probably just 17 years old, and it was for me it was like okay, when God speaks, listen. <laughs> it was like God's teaching me a lesson here. When He speaks, listen. Okay. Oh yeah, one other thing. Recently I was talking to um, a couple in our leadership team about a change that we felt was right for them. And, um, and I was a bit nervous about talking to them about this because I wasn't sure if they would want to do this. And so we, we had a Zoom call and we started talking and I said, look, this is, this is what we're going to be asking you to do. And they said, that's okay. Um, we wouldn't have wanted to do that at all. Uh, not at all. But God spoke to me a couple of days ago in a dream about this. So, yes. Isn't that wonderful how God works? <laughs> right, last, uh, last thing. I'm going a little bit long. I'm really sorry. Uh, but this is the last one that's shorter. Um, this is the third revelation gift. It reveals something. It's the discerning of spirits. So this spiritual tool reveals the, the spirit or the heart from which a person is operating. It recognises the driving force from which a person's actions are coming. So this is the discerning of spirits. So it's not discerning between what's right and wrong, righteousness and sin, or, or correct and false doctrine. It's not that sort of discerning. It's um, the revealing of the spirit from which a person is operating. That's what discerning of spirits is. Um, it's not only about recognising when a person is operating from a demonic or an evil spirit and recognising what that spirit is, but it's also recognising when there's a wrong heart or a wrong spirit, wrong motivation within a person. Maybe a person is operating from a place of pride or, or lust or greed. An example uh, of Jesus is Matthew 16, verses 21 to 23, when Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to be put to death. And Peter responds by saying, well, Lord, this will never happen to you. Uh, and Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> um, poor old Peter, he had it rough, didn't he? Um, let's just read those three verses there. Verse 21, Matthew 16. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. <laughs> Imagine that. You take Jesus aside and start rebuking him. He must be wrong. You must be wrong, Jesus. Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, 
get behind me, Satan. You're an offence to me, and you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And so obviously Jesus knew, he was discerning that Peter was speaking uh, from a wrong spirit. And he says, get behind me, Satan. So what Peter was saying was actually authored by Satan there, not from God. Now in the book of Acts, there's a great example in Acts chapter 8. Uh, where, the, where the apostles recognised that the spirit from which a person was operating was not right. And this was about Simon, Simon the sorcerer. He was formerly a sorcerer. And, he off- and he'd become a Christian and he offered the disciples money for the ability to impart the Holy Spirit to others. He saw how wonderful it was when people were receiving the Holy Spirit and the power of that. And he's like, I'd like to do that. So, hey, apostles... I'll pay you if you give me the ability to impart the Holy Spirit to other people. So obviously and clearly that's, uh, that's not a right spirit from which to be operating. Um, let's just read a couple of verses there. Acts chapter 8 verses 18 to 24. So when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You've neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this, your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. There was a lot of discerning going on here, wasn't there? And Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. So this this discerning of, of Simon's spirit, where he's operating from, brings him to a place where he repents, which is a good thing. Now, personal examples well many times I've encountered individuals who have a demonic spirit influencing their life whether they're possessed or oppressed we won't get that into that debate right now um, all I would say is that uh, you know a Christian is a temple of the Holy Spirit I don't believe oh, I'm saying it right now aren't I? I don't believe a Christian can be possessed by a demon Um, However, um, we can be oppressed by demons. Um, You know, there's there's often a lot of undoubt with things in a person's life when they come to Christ. Uh, There's still demonic influence. And um, it's usually quite obvious when when demonic or unclean or evil spirits influencing a person because they get very agitated when they're around people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. They, they come, when they come close to people that are filled with the Spirit of God, um, often they'll use filthy or sexualized language. Um, they become physically agitated. And actually, when you look in a person's eyes, you know, the, the eyes are the lamp of the body, you can see uh, what's going on uh, behind their behavior, can't you? Now, sometimes I've just looked at someone and perceived they've got a wrong motive or 
or are dangerous. On a few occasions, we've actually removed people from the church because we've discerned that they don't have the right motives. And um, we, the umbrella body that uh, enable us to do well with safeguarding is called 318. And, and they always teach that alongside our safeguarding policy, alongside having really good procedures, we also need to have the gift of discernment. Um, the discernment of spirits, we can, where we identify uh, perhaps if people are there with the wrong motives. And we have to remember that Satan parades himself or masquerades himself as an angel of light. And be ready to see through any disguises that Satan uses to bring damage to people or to the church. So those are the three gifts that we're talking about tonight. The revelation gifts. Each one of them reveals something. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge and discerning of spirits. And every one of these gifts is accessible to us. They're in God's toolbox that he's holding out to us. And all we have to do is just take hold of the tools that God is giving us. Now, God doesn't force these tools on us. He doesn't force the word of wisdom on you or the word of knowledge or discerning of spirits. Um, But he's put them in the toolbox and he wants to, to pass them to us. But the issue sometimes is that we're just not holding out our hand. You know, God's got, a, he's like, oh, Stuart, you need this tool right now. In this situation, this tool will really benefit you. Here you go, Stuart. I've just got my back turned. and I've not, you know, I'm not holding out my hand or, or seeking that gift. And actually in, in um, 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about um, earnestly desiring the greater gifts. In other words, it's a good thing to want to use the gifts of the Spirit. That's not a bad thing at all. And every one of us could be using these revelation gifts, the word of wisdom, knowledge, discerning of spirits. And it does begin by desiring these gifts or these spiritual tools. Not to have them as trophies in our cabinet um, or to say, there, look at me, look how good I am using these gifts, but to use them for God's glory. That's why the gifts of the Spirit are there, to bring the kingdom of God near to people, uh, to both God's people and to people in this world. God would rather have a well-used, worn-out, um, just chipped tool in our hands than a trophy in a cabinet that just gets pulled out every now and then. So every time we use a spiritual gift, we're bringing God's kingdom near. So let's hold out our hands and let's ask God to give us what we need every day. Why don't you just hold your hands out right now? Just say, you don't need to repeat after me, but just say something like this to God. God, I just hold my hands out to you. I say, God, from my heart, I, I desire the spiritual tools that are in your toolbox. Lord, when you hold these gifts out for me, when you prepare them for me, God, when you want me to use these gifts, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be spiritually alert. I'm going to have my face turned towards you. And I'm going to be holding out my hands so that I can take them and use them for your glory. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you can do that. You can clap. (laughs) Thank you. Wonderful. Well, thank you for being here tonight. So just um, filter out as normal. We're not meant to hang around and chat. Um, Thank you for.